everyone, and welcome to the News Agent Podcast. This is C.A.D. Clayton, Head of Content at Goodlord. Today's episode is a recording of our webinar, Are Landlords Really Selling Up? And How Can Agents Win Landlords When Suppliers Low? You'll hear from Megan 18, Director at Location Location, and Darren Owen, Sales Manager at Infinite Property. Hosted by Goodlord CEO William Reeve, they'll discuss how agents can address supply issues and find opportunities in a challenging time. So without further ado, on with the podcast. Morning, everybody, and welcome to the latest in the series of Good Lord webinars. This one's about uh, whether landlords are really selling up and how agents can win landlords when supply is low. And we're delighted to have two very special guests with us today, Megan and Darren, who I'll introduce in just a second. Um, first of all, I'll just introduce uh, our two special guests. Megan 18 needs very little introduction, I think. She's well known in the industry. She's vice president for Arla Property Mark. Uh, she is a director of Location Location in Stoke Newington. And she's a very prominent voice across the industry. We're delighted to have you. Welcome, Megan. And secondly, we've got Darren Owen, who is sales manager at Infinite Property in Manchester. He's got over 20 years working in the industry, and many of you will know him. And um, again, we're very, very pleased to have you. Thank you very much, both of you, for joining. Welcome. Thanks, William. Uh, so we've got quite uh, a busy agenda today, but just in case any of you don't know Good Lord, I should introduce Good Lord too. Um, Good Lord is the best way to progress lettings deals remotely. It's the leading online platform of its type. It uh, covers everything from the start of the lettings process with landlord terms of business through to tenant referencing, collecting payments, uh, registering deposits, uh, automating compliance, providing rent protection insurance, uh, and handling uh, lettings accounts and even um, consolidating bills uh, included for tenants. So um, if anybody wants any more details, uh, do get in touch. Uh, but that's that's the, the sort of, uh, final bit of the introductions. And now let's have a look at the agenda we've got in store for us today. Um, we, uh, we're drawing today on the recent research we've published through the state of the Lettings Industry Report. This is a biannual publication we do based on the leading research of its type in the sector, uh, conducted by Good Lord and Vouch across landlords, tenants, agents, uh, and, and a wide variety of industry stakeholders. We had over 2,000 uh, people help us uh, contribute to this report, and we were able to draw on some of those findings exclusively in today's webinar. And we're going to use that to cover um, seven things today. Uh, so the, the theme of today is whether landlords really are selling up and what agents can do to win landlords in a low supply environment. Um, so we're going to look at why landlords are selling up. We're going to look at the economic factors driving some of that um, perception. Uh, and we're going to talk about how agents can reassure landlords about supply and availability issues. Um, we're going to look at uh, the role and rise of short-term lets and what their effect is on supply. We're going to talk about how many landlords, in fact, use letting agents at all and what letting agents can do to win new landlords uh, using data and, and um, the latest tools to their advantage. Finally, we're going to talk about upgrading landlords to fully managed services. So that's where we um, kick off today. Uh, we will start with um, why are landlords selling up, perception versus reality, um, and reasons why landlords are leaving sector and what we can do to reassure um, first of all, any opening comments on this from Darren and Megan? Anything before we kick off? Um, well, first of all, from our experience, I think it is fair to say that there are more landlords selling than there has been over recent years. Um, combination of factors, rental reform, bill taxation, rising interest rates. Um, what we're seeing though, is it's a trickle rather than a surge. Um, we're not seeing it in vast numbers. And the landlords that we are seeing leave the market tend to be the single property landlords rather than the guys with larger portfolios. 
Um, what is interesting is um, the landlords that are leaving, I'd say on a, about 50% of the occasions, want the property vacant before they sell to try and enhance the value. Uh, but some of the more lower value end properties are being sold on to other investors. There are still investors coming in to replace them. Um, so it's not a completely um, lose-all situation. And what about you, Megan? I mean, I think Darren covered it, really. You know, there's no secret that we're losing landlords. I don't think it's at the rapid rate that we were all fear in fear of what was going to happen. So um, I think that the important thing and the message across today is, yeah, it's happening. But what can we do about it? Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's have a look at the first bit of uh, survey evidence. So this this really explored what agents perceptions about the demand from tenants versus the um, amount of supply of properties available. And you can see there's a real split here on this graph. The dark blue lines are showing um, they're much more skewed towards the top, a significant increase. And that's re- regarding the tenants looking for properties. So big increase in tenants looking for properties. Uh, and the light blue lines skewed towards the bottom, which is uh, showing the decreases. And that's where properties available uh, is that line. And so you know we're seeing generally a decrease in properties available, increase in tenants looking for properties. And that's the, that's the imbalance between demand and supply that we're all grappling with. Um, and um, when you when you turn to the next slide, and which starts to look at what is going on there, the view from the letting agents, uh, three things really jump, uh, came out of our survey. The three quarters of agents said that this is due to landlords selling up or reducing their portfolio, a bit like the um, uh, as Darren just talked about the the, the increase that he just described. Fifty nine percent said there were not enough new landlords entering the sector. And about half of agents said um, it was because tenants were staying put in their rental properties. And there has been um, data to show that uh, the average length of tenancies is increasing. I think that I saw some figures last week from um, uh, 20 uh, EA that um, the average tenancy, according to their data now, is uh, four and a half years, which is significantly longer than it was um, was last time around. Does, does this data resonate with you guys? Is this, would this be the view con- coming out of your, your teams? I definitely would agree with this. I mean, it's interesting. So um, we're not seeing that natural churn of landlords now, you know, so where we're seeing landlords exiting, we're not getting that churn of new investors coming in um, because the buy-to-let market isn't as viable as it was. You know, I think one of the big things that I think all of us as letting agents can agree on is that that our governments um, and all of the parties pitching to be our next government um, seem to forget that landlords are not immune from all of the costs of living crisis um, increases like mortgage rates um, alongside all of the extra kind of legislative pressure. Um, so from my point of view, that's that's a massive issue. Um, interesting about fifth, the, the four and a half year thing. Um, that's a really, really long time. <laughs> um, yeah. You can see why then less and less properties are coming up for relapse. Yes, exactly. I think the reason that, that tenants are staying put more often, uh, I mean, we've noticed that our uh, number of notices we receive per month from tenants has dropped substantially. I think that's mainly because the way that rents have increased over the last 12 months, a lot of people that just can't afford to move now, if they move even to a similar property compared to what they're renting currently, they're going to be paying at least 15% more. So it makes sense to stay put for the time being. Yeah, it's interesting that, isn't it? And and why is that? Is that Why is it that um, current landlords are prepared to... Um, sort of keep the rent lower than the new landlords are what's the what's the psychology going on there well it costs money to relet a property and i and and so you know all it takes is for your property to be empty a few weeks and then you pay you know your letting fees again to your agent um suddenly everything starts stacking up again 
you know, and there's and there is an added faff element to it as well. Like I don't know about you guys, if I can avoid having to do like really like annoying jobs, I will. And and sometimes for landlords, you know, if you're managing it yourself and you're organizing extra cleaning and inventories, it's a lot of work. Um, and I think for for a lot of people, that's a, a big factor too. I think as well, um, you've got to remember interest rate rises don't affect everybody at once. So there's lots of landlords that may be sat on still relatively cheap two-year rates, five-year fixed rates, and they haven't seen the impact of what coming off of those fixed rates is going to be yet, not really planned for increasing mortgage rates. So they're quite happy to leave the tenant where they are because at the moment it's not affecting their income. Yeah, um, but we're, we're seeing landlords contact us all the time to say, you know, I'm reviewing my mortgage. This is what my new payment is going to be. I'm going to have to review the, the rent. I haven't got a choice. Mm. Absolutely. And of course, as um, Charles Ennis points out, um, one of our participants, uh, whenever in Scotland, there's the added um, woes caused by rent caps, which essentially create a split market between tenants who have got a place and tenants who haven't and drives the rent up on new tenancies. And it's led to some real homeless homelessness issues in some cities. It's fascinating, actually. I was in Scotland for the Property Mark conference last week and um, learning about how much the agents in Scotland have had to take on and the landlords has been um absolutely eye-opening and 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 as a result of that over-regulating their stock is down 40 percent as it was pre-covid um as is Wales 50 percent so you can really see the impact of over-regulating our industry and 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 that's not just for us as agents but for landlords but it's it's clear evidence that we need to look at yeah, well, talking of evidence, let's have a quick look at the next uh, set of survey data. This is on um, the next slide. Um, and actually, what we saw was the sort of three clear reasons in the survey we did. Now, I have to say, this survey went out about two months ago, uh, and there's already been some development since it, because at that point two months ago, there were three clear reasons that landlords were giving as to why, if they were thinking of leaving the sector, why that was. The, the first group of reasons were the economic and financial reasons, which I'll come back to. Uh, the second group of reasons was the upcoming legislation and red tape, essentially, in the um, pr- pr- prospective renters reform bill. And the third reason was the um, increased energy efficiency standards that are part of the uh, prospective renters reform bill. And since that survey ha- happened, we've had the um, announcement by the current government that um, those uh, tighter energy efficiency standards have been uh, kicked into the long grass. So, so I think that's fair to say that third reason sort of no longer really applies and, and may help um, in some for some landlords um, uh, help keep them in the sector. But when you dig into the, these these first two, the, the, we've got a couple of graphs here. The first two graphs are, apply to the economic and financial reasons. The first one, of course, is higher mortgage rates, which is a big part of the uh, economic and financial reasons. And you can see there that that's, that's cited as a reason um, most in London uh, and least in Scotland, um, which is interesting because we do also have the same currency and the same interest rates. Um, the second graph is the um, taxation uh, being caught cited as a reason, another big uh, economic um, impact. And this this one, of course, I think really uh, has been a factor ever since the George Osborne reforms um, 2011, re- uh, reducing the amount of uh, tax re- relief available um, and and um, reducing the amount of deductibility and things like that. And here, again, not as commonly cited a reason, but quite a different split regionally. Um, Again, Scotland uh, citing it least of all, but uh, this time it's not London that's the top of the um, moan list. It's the southwest and southeast. Um, And then finally, on the rental reform bill, which doesn't apply, of course, in Wales and Scotland. uh, So you see slightly fewer regions broken out here. But uh, you can see here, again, it's it's, um, Londoners who are most um, alarmed by this, but um, it's pretty, pretty consistent really in most in most regions 
does that does that regional split um make sense to you guys any 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 thoughts on why you see um the southwest and southeast more affected by taxation than um than london for example but london most impacted by mortgage rates i mean i can i can hazard a guess um so so my guess would be in london obviously a good proportion of london has additional licensing which is obviously additional costing as well you know it's not cheap to get a license um so that's adding extra layers more and more layers i guess onto the kind of financial burdens of that um taxation wise interesting i guess maybe you're dealing with a larger i mean we see a larger amount of landlords being portfolio landlords so maybe that plays into that a little bit more um and interestingly, the the just touching on the EPCs, you know, the fact that that actually made the kind of top three of reasons just shows that that as agents and as a media that we made a massive hysteria about something that's not coming in, and we've driven landlords out without waiting for the actual reforms to come through, including the renters' reform. So it just com- like confirms that this anti-landlord rhetoric that we keep like having to fight against, we need to stand united on it because actually sometimes these things don't even come in. That's true. Although hopefully the hysteria played its part in helping the government to realise at least, at least in, in England, uh, they, they need to, they need to kick the, um, kick the, the tightening uh, into the long grass, at least, for, at least for now. Um, Charles, uh, again, actually contributing here and pointing out that it has not been kicked into the long grass in Scotland. So, um, of course, it's still there's still a still a potentially significant factor in Scotland. Me to breathe. I think, the, um, I think the, the rental reform bill was really just the last straw for a lot of landlords, to be honest with you. Um, we ran some webinars for our landlords, largely based on the webinars that Good Lord did, to be fair. Uh, and actually, when you explain to people what the change was going to be, the feedback was relatively positive. But the problem is you start asking people to do more work and take more risk at a time when they're earning a lot less money from their rental properties is never going to go down. Whereas I think it was kind of just the, the straw that broke the camel's back for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. We hear that a lot, actually, that, that, that sort of idea that it's just this, enough is enough. Um, good. So actually, if we just jump to the next slide, so we've looked a little bit at mortgage costs, we've looked a little bit at taxes, but there's another issue going on in the current climate of just higher costs of maintaining properties. Um, is, is that something you guys are, are seeing in your landlords? Um, uh, f- feeling the pain of that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, contractors are not immune to the cost of living crisis. It's costing more to fill their vans up. You know, materials are costing more. Every job that goes for our maintenance um, department is is more expensive than it was 18 months, 24 months ago. Um, so, yeah, it, again, it's another area where landlords are getting hit, unfortunately, at the moment. I think it's a good opportunity, though, as well. So for us, you know, you can look at different technologies available that can help bring down costs for things like maintenance for landlords you know so there is lots of of, you know options that you can look at and I think that we have you know responsibility to kind of make sure that we're helping where we can on that yeah absolutely um no and it's difficult to fix global supply chain shortages isn't it but um you know again it's sort of it's it's all a tougher environment which um policymakers perhaps uh, aren't taking into account when they get on their bandstand about protecting tenants um super so um I think we might um, move on, actually. So the next question really is, how can agents reassure landlords about um, some of these issues? So um, I think we've listed three things here. And uh, let's let's start kick off with uh, presenting, um, pr- pr- making sure that we present the opportunities. Um, any suggestions for how we could do that? I'm going to start with you, Darren, if I may. 
Well, the biggest reassurance for landlords, I think personally, is the fact that the, the rents are increasing so much. Um, you know, in Warrington, for example, we've seen the average two-bed terrace go from £600 to over £800 now um, since kind of the middle of COVID. Um, and the yields are increasing. You know, landlords have certainly bought um, over the last four to five years have seen both capital growth because of what's happened over the last two, three years, and, and now they're receiving much higher rents than they were previously. So if they've got a professional setup and they can keep their costs in order, uh, there's actually some great opportunities at the moment. And uh, yeah, that's, those are great examples. Thank you. Um, and Megan, any other opportunities that we, we can be presenting to landlords here? I think it's an opportunity to um, make sure that, that they are fully briefed on their value of their property as well. I know that's, that's like a funny thing to say, um, but often properties have gone up quite significantly over the last few years. That can obviously impact your mortgage in terms of how much equity you have in the property. So I think giving giving landlords up to date big figures on their property and then linking in with a mortgage broker if you've got one. I think there are some scary mortgage rates out there, but they are starting to pull out a couple of you know ones here and there that that would work for some people. So. So making sure that you're in line with your mortgage broker, I think, and, and keeping that relationship tight is important. Absolutely. Yes, thank you. Um, second up, of course, we, it's important to make sure your landlords are up to date. I mean, we're, we're struggling to keep up to date with uh, what, 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 which EPC legislation has been kicked into which which set of grass or not. But that, how aware do you think your landlords have been about some of the changes, either either the the tightening that was supposed to come with the rental formula or now the the postponement of those regulations? I think that it's not been as devastating to us as maybe others. We've been um, we've been particularly lucky, probably here. Um, but I do see a sense across the market that people panicked. Um, you know, I had lots of people asking me what the plan was for getting the pro- the portfolio compliant, and I was like, I'm not making any plans yet because we don't know what's what's the legislation so i think um it's really important to make sure that you're doing your fact checking but it's also really important to make sure you're not jumping the gun too so um i saw lots of linkedin posts about changes that they as if they were you know written in stone that's the message you're sending out to your landlords so just be mindful and careful um but i just think jumping on webinars like this there's tons and tons of free webinars out there you just got to make sure you take the time to really absorb it and and create a balanced opinion on it. Absolutely. Um, anything to add, Darren, or should, or should we turn to the uh, next question? No, no, I'll just echo Megan's comments on that. Yeah. Yep. Um, perfect. And and finally, uh, particularly for um, landlords in England, um, the, the upcoming rental reform bill is worth um, making sure that we, we're all over. Um, it's That one has not been kicked uh, too firmly into the long grass. In fact, only last week, Michael Gove was confirming the next the next steps on that one. So um, that that's uh, how, how um, familiar and comfortable are your teams talking about that at the moment? And how relevant is that with your landlords? Megan, I'll start with you. Oh, I, <laughs> it's when you wait and see who goes first. Uh, I think we're pretty comfortable talking about it. There's um, a really mixture of opinions about how this is all going to pan out. Um, and it's really careful that whilst we have these discussions, you know, that we're careful that that things could change or they might stay the same. Um, as long as your team understands it. So we did a full training on what the proposals were for the renters reform to ensure that everybody understood what those potential changes could be. Um, obviously, depending on how 
things pan out and the general election, we'll do it again if we need to. Um, and I think, um, especially right now, it's really important that we keep an eye out on what the other party conferences are talking about as well, because, you know, they could be in place to do this reform, which could look totally different. So I think keeping your eyes on lots of different places is definitely worthwhile. But yeah, making sure your team fully understands is vital. Absolutely. Um, good. I think that pretty much covers. I think what we what we've got on the um, the, the sort of landlords' um, con- concerns and and um, the, the trickle the trickle stroke um, horde leaving the sector, depending on um, on on which day of the week you look at it. Um, but let's have a let's turn to the next um, question uh, or issue, which which um, comes up, which is short term lets. Um, one of the things that we found out in our survey is two out of five letting agents have seen an increase in the short-term lets in their area in the last 12 months. Um, there have been co- some quite shocking stories um, from particular uh, regions. I mean, we've got a New York one on here, but it's um, there are issues in Scottish cities, there's issues in, in Cornwall, and, and some councils and boroughs are really taking matters into their own hands. Um, how is how is this uh, dynamic affecting your regions? Let's start with Manchester, Darren. Uh, yeah, we'd... we'd... We're seeing more and more landlords in Manchester and Liverpool City Centre move into the short-term let market, uh, mainly because they see it as an area that's probably less regulated, potentially higher returns. Um, the interesting thing I would say is we are seeing lots of landlords come back to us, though, after trying short-term lets and going back to the long-term let model, uh, mainly because I don't think many landlords realise some of the costs that are involved and some of the downsides to it. And and I'll be honest with you, in those two city centres, there's probably a bit of oversupply now where most landlords have tried to move into that market and there's probably more apartments than there are potential tenants for it. What sort of tenants um, uh, are people getting? What's the, is it mostly tourists or are there other uh, other types of tenants to, to, to think about? Well, the feedback we're getting is that the, the properties are only really rented out for the weekends, which kind of indicates it's due to tourism in Liverpool and Manchester. They're not really finding any bookings Monday to Thursday. They're really struggling to fill it during the week. Um, and because of the competitiveness, they're having to drop the rents at the weekends. Um, and they're getting far less than they, they're expecting. And also the management charges are much higher. Um, your turnover costs are increased um, because you haven't got those long-term bookings. You're constantly paying out for more cleaners, changing bedding, et cetera. Um, so, yeah, it seems to be driven by tourism. It doesn't seem to be much of a, a longer-term market for contractors, you know, professional people looking to stay for three or four weeks, still in our experience anyway. And what sort of steps can um, landlords take to make sure that they're they're getting um, reliable tenants. They're not. They're not going to suffer undue wear and tear, or um, or worse. Well, it's really difficult. Um, unlike obviously the long term letting process, there's no referencing credit checks done on tenants moving forward. Uh, moving in, sorry, um, there's very low deposits paid, as far as I'm aware. It's very difficult to understand who's going into your property and and what they're doing in there. Um, so compared to long term letting, I do feel there's a lot less security in that market for landlords. And what about you, Megan? What's happening in um, uh, East London? So London's a funny old place because I, I touched on earlier, we've got a licensing scheme in place. So obviously um, that can be quite expensive. Now there's a 90 day cap on how long you can do a short term let, um, which is massively abused um, in London. But the the kind of I guess the positives of people doing short term lets is is in terms of tax, it's considered more of a business. So there's much more um, tax relief than there is for doing a kind of traditional let. So you can see the appeal, obviously, with um, the rents as they are and, and London being and like London hotels at the moment are 
obscenely expensive. Um, but the flip side of that is, and we talked about it before off air, is that you have zero idea who's in your property. So, you know, you hear lots of horror stories about drug dens and brothels and and you have zero control over that, um, which is scary. And then obviously, you know, the property gets trashed. You know, you're you're kind of limited a little bit um with it. So it's it's a it's a um high risk, high reward kind of setup, I think. Yeah. Um and you you're raising the question of licensing, which is actually a really interesting one and I think one that we can come back to. Um but um just while we stay on um short term lets for the moment, um actually I might jump to the next slide if we may. Um what's the um what's the, what's the legislation surrounding these things or that, that impacts your landlords? Um Darren, I might come back to you. Um well, Liverpool and Manchester both have landlord licensing schemes, depending on which part of Manchester that you're in. So if you're a long-term landlord, you need to apply for a licence. Um, it, it, it's a relatively straightforward process, but it's about £400 from memory, uh, depending on location. It lasts for five years. Um, my understanding, and we don't do short-term lets, so I apologise if I'm wrong here, but I don't believe you need that if you're going into the short-term let market. You don't have to apply to be part of the licensing scheme. In any of your region? I, I don't believe so, oh, no. Okay. Um, and of course, the normal reg- regulations around um, ASTs don't apply, do they? So you, you've got a very um, you're less protected, um, more more regulation light model. Um, are there any regulations, Megan? Is it uh, or is it total free for all? No, I was just thinking that I don't think so. I would imagine that you have basic. I'll be honest, I'm not an expert in short term lets, so if anybody is, feel free to pipe up and correct me. Um, but my understanding is, is it's a fairly unregulated part of of our kind of I guess it is part of our sector now isn't it um and that's part of the kind of problem is that it's not got that huge level I'd imagine there'll be a sort of a basic standard for it but um because it's not really part of what I do it's a, it's a difficult one really and so, so do either of your agencies um provide any services around short-term lets to, for your landlords no have you been looking into that uh, we did, and we um, kiboshed it relatively quickly, I'll be honest. <laughs> it just seems very labour-intensive. Mm. Um, the, the fees seem very attractive initially, um, but when you realise how much work's involved for that fee, um, it, 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 it's a totally different business model. You can't really compare long-term lets to short-term, from what I've seen. Um, they are they are run very differently. Yeah. And what about the impact? What's the um, impact that, that they're having on the on the sector, the, the landlords and the, and the supply? Megan, do you want to kick off? It is a high reward sort of flirt, isn't it, for a landlord? You know, you see the headline costs, you see the fact that tax is, um, you know, a little bit nicer for you. You can see why people start like veering off that way. And I think it's important, as again, as agents to recognise that, yes, it is a threat, but it is also a business opportunity, should it be the right fit for you. Um, And ultimately, it's there it's not going anywhere at the moment you know they've tried to push more regulation on it it's not going um i think they say the 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 most successful brand of hotels is airbnb and they own none of them absolutely so should we expect more regions to follow the lead of places like edinburgh and cornwall which have been um really slapping quite um stringent regulations or time limits and things like that on on the amount of um, nights you can have um people or insisting that visitors have to be there at the same time as the host and things like that so we are we are we to expect more of that do you think 
I think there'll be a lot more regulation in that short-term let sector over the coming years. Um, I think at the moment, it seems like the long-term let sector is the government's priority to try and get the market in check. But there's no doubt that the short-term let is going to become far more regulated, I think, in the next three to four years, uh, once you realise some of the issues that come of it. And, you know, a lot of the buildings that we work in, where we manage apartments, there's a mixture of owner-occupiers, short-term lets and long-term lets. And the three don't really mix very well um, in my experience. So I think it's going to have to become more regulated so that, you know, they can understand how it blends in with the with the rest of the building or a block of apartments. And I think that's a yeah. really good point as well, like Darren just made, that, that the priority is absolutely to reform our kind of traditional let model. But let's also remember, so I sit here at the age of 33, there has not been a massive renters reform in my lifetime. So that means, you know, you think about how much our world has changed in 33 years. And yet our legislation is pretty much the same. Yes, we've got a couple of changes here and there, but overall it's the same legislation. So, you know, whilst the renters reform has been very severe, it's probably a little bit overdue. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I was, I was sure she was 18, but Darren, but I think I missed something there. Uh, but um, no, uh, and and clearly um, some of the technology is changing so quickly. It's 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 quite challenging for reg- regulations and policymakers to keep up, isn't it? And Airbnb is less than 10 years old, I think I'm right in saying. And so um, diff- difficult to sort of look around corners and see that sort of thing and the impact they might have on on sectors. But but talking of looking around corners, how can agents prepare here? What's what sort of steps do you, uh, would, are you guys taking in your in your firms? Um Darren, I'll, I'll start with you. Well, my advice would be to understand that market, not necessarily move into it, but to really understand that market and understand what makes it attractive to landlords. If you're meeting landlords and and you're you're trying to compete with the short-term lets, you need to really understand what the what both the, the pros and cons are for that market. What might landlords be attracted by but also what are their downsides what what makes it a risky market for a landlord compared to the long-term let that service that you can offer and uh okay and megan anything else you'd suggest Aaron hit the nail on the head i think absolutely you should explore it doesn't mean you have to do it but you should understand what your threat is yeah super um right i i think we might move on to um the next slide um and um, what this is looking at is really starting to think about what agents can do to um, keep landlords uh, using agents. Uh, and we're just going to start with some data really on um, uh, how many landlords used agents in the first place. And this one, again, coming out of our recent State of the Lessings Industry Survey. Um, and we've, we, uh, we, are, we, have a, we have a lot of landlords who do use agents in that survey, but we, um, we, we, we don't just restrict it to that. And you can see that um, of the landlords that, that are, are, we're polling, um, about, two third, uh, sorry, about three-fifths of them um, are using agents for at least some of their properties. Uh, another, just over a quarter of them, 28%, have used agents, so do have experience, but have stopped using letting agent services. Um, and almost... Um, one in six, 15% uh, say that they don't plan on using an agent. So we've got, um, we've got a sort of, uh, that gives a bit of a snapshot as to, as to what's going on, at least with, regarding the state of the lessons industry survey that we do. Um, jumping on, um, we will, let, let's explore this in a bit more detail and, and think about some of the reasons that they're um, using or not using. And we've done this next slide, um, trying to split split the landlords into those who have um up to four properties and those who are the larger landlords with five or more properties um and the the left hand graph is um 
one I'm going to start with, which is we're looking here at reasons um, that landlords who used to use letting agents stopped using letting agents. Um, and it's quite an interesting um, set of data, this, I think. Um, you can see the biggest single reason is, pe is landlords preferring to handle the process themselves. But that's almost half of larger landlords. That's their reason. Uh, whereas it's just under a third of the smaller landlords. Um, and for the larger landlords, the next biggest reason is fees um, or economics. Um, uh, followed by having had a bad experience. But for smaller landlords, actually, the bad experience is the joint top reason for stopping to use a letting agent. So um, I think that's quite interesting. I might stop there and just sort of um, get some comments, really. Uh, do you guys realize that sort of bad experiences when they happen could actually literally um, sort of almost evict a landlord from the letting agent side of the market? It was funny. I printed off a couple of these slides before today. And the one thing that I circled on that pie chart was the 28% said they stopped using a letting agent because of a bad experience or a bad service. Um, we spend all our time chasing landlords and trying to find that golden solution for new clients. But yet, out of the other door, we're losing clients because we're not maybe taking care of them in the way. Now, we all know that there's going to be landlords that just can't be pleased. That There always is. Um <laughs> But it does show to me that that we're maybe concentrating on the wrong door. We're focusing too much on getting more in and not focusing on what's leaving out the other door. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Darren? What do you make of the this left-hand chart? Well, I think what was most interesting, particularly about that statistic, is that people go from having a bad experience to stop using a letting agent full stop rather than leaving, it, leaving an agent they've had the bad experience with and finding a new agent who might give them a much better experience. Um it, yeah, it is really surprising that, that people do that. And maybe it kind of shows that sometimes landlords don't really value the, the service that we offer and it, it maybe we make it look too easy, um, if anything. Yeah. I think it also speaks to the benefits of having more regulation and more consistency, more quality standards across the sector. Because if a, if a, if a bad apple can... Um, is used to judge all the apples, so to speak. Um, it's sort of it's worth it's worth agents sort of subscribing to a minimum standards to, to avoid a, to avoid a, a single agent um, creating such a bad experience that they, the landlords decide to never use an agent again. Um, I say, does that not? It, we we have that in loads of different aspects. Like how many times? Probably not so much for you, William. But like how many times, Darren, have you been at a wedding and someone says, "Oh, what do you do?" and you go. Um, and you think, I don't want to say I'm an estate agent because you know that kills the conversation. So I normally do the, I work in property line um, because because we have had a bad, people have had bad experiences with estate agents probably 10 years ago. And yet still now we're having to have that battle with people sat over a, a dinner table at a wedding. Yeah, we can Absolutely. be a bit of a tarnished industry sometimes, unfortunately. And there's lots of times where we don't do ourselves any favours. Um but yeah, it, it, I just find it interesting that people go from having a bad experience and then just doing uh, or not finding a, an alternative route rather than just doing themselves. I don't know, though, because I'm one of those people that, for example, if I got food poisoning from Mexican food from a restaurant, that'd be me out for Mexican food. I can't eat it now. You know, I'm, I wouldn't go to another Mexican restaurant and give it a go. I'd be like, no, Mexican food can't eat that. No, might not be the same with eating. burgers, right? You'd have to keep eating, though. <laughs> this is the equivalent of having a bad Mexican yeah. meal and then not eating again. That, well, yeah, exactly. But, you know, you can see why people start to go, you know what? I spent a lot of money on somebody that just absolutely treated me badly. Or, you know, you might have a situation where it could be as simple as the tenant went into rears. That might not have been your fault. Or was it our fault? Did we actually rush through that referencing process? Did we vet them the way we should have? You know, so there's loads of different arguments for it. Um, and equally, we also know some people 
just can't be pleased. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's about it's about demonstrating the value for what you've charged, I think, isn't it? Um, and equating what that monetary value to, to what you've actually offered. Yeah, and then we're going to turn to that in a moment, actually. But just before we do that, I think it's interesting if you look at the dark blue one on the left, the smaller landlords. So uh, obviously letting to family is sometimes a reason they're using stopping letting agents, which seems pretty fair enough to me. Um, and um, perhaps not seeing the need after the initial meetings and not seeing the value, which we'll come back to. But that leaves um, avoiding fees as the fifth reason. So a relatively minor reason here, fewer than 10% of the smaller agents are stopping agents for that. So it's leaving me wondering whether letting agents could in fact maybe be um, asking for slightly higher fees from smaller landlords, needing to be careful, of course, with larger landlords, but you know, volume discounts, whatever you call it. Is, that, is, that, is there perhaps uh, some opportunity in there? I think How do you, you guys think about that? You have to pitch your value. You know, if you want to be a cheap agent, be a cheap agent, but then that's what you'll always be. You know, if you want to deal with good quality properties and attract, you know, landlords that are, you know, of a similar ilk, you've got to charge the right fees for it. Um, but interestingly, the letting to family one is fascinating because most times people let to family ends in disaster because people don't treat it like a business anymore. Yeah. Start going, oh, yeah, don't worry about your rent. I know it's been a tough time and it, it becomes a problem. So it, for me, that's an education piece again on, you know, the pros and cons to renting out to family and friends. That's a really, really good point, Megan. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Any, we've um, imagine that with my family, at least. We've come across a number of landlords who've let properties to families and decided that's the time they don't need to do gas certificates any longer or um, electrical certificates. And actually, they don't realise the regulations are exactly the same. It doesn't matter who the tenant is. You know, the regulations are exactly the same. I actually did it to my brother this week. He has a property and I normally find him a tenant and, you know, we manage it between us. And, uh, and he said to me, oh yeah, my mate's going to move in. And I went, okay, that's absolutely fine, but I don't want anything to do with it. And he was like, what? And I was like, I don't want anything to do with it. I'm not touching it because you're not doing it properly. I don't want anything to do with it. Um, and even now he's like, I don't, I just don't understand why you don't want, I was like, I'll help you. I'll give you advice, but I'm not putting my name anywhere near it. I think all of those reasons on the left essentially kind of all roll into avoiding agents' fees, William, to be honest, because yeah. even the letting to family, well, if you want things done properly, you're just trying to avoid paying an agent at the end of the day. You know, if you want things done properly, just pay an agent and have your paperwork in order. Yeah, no, that's a fair, a fair point. And again, I'm not going to suggest that loads of letting agents have got their pricing completely wrong, but it just it does strike me that I think I was expecting the concern about fees to be slightly higher on the on the league table here um but let's t- let's t- quick, have a quick look on the chart on the right so that one's about why aren't you using letting agents at all so we've got obviously a bunch of landlords in the survey who don't um and they're the um by far the biggest reason of course is preferring to handle the process themselves very similar for smaller and large la- landlords um and then the fees point again slightly stronger for larger landlords um and that un- lack of clarity about what value letting agents provide slightly a, a, more of a more of a big deal for the more amateur landlords, the smaller landlords, um, the larger landlords generally, I think, understand that value proposition quite well. Um, but let's just turn to the next slide, I think, here. So this is looking at how do we, with that sort of data in mind and, the, and some of the lessons that um, our experts have been sharing so far, how can we win new landlords? Um, and... Um, how can we? And we talked a little bit about the first first two things here, but let's talk in. Let's talk about. Uh, I'll jump to the next slide, actually, about using data and digital tools here um, to help do this. Um, any um, good examples in your businesses of how uh, agents can make use of some modern technology to, to uh, win new landlords? 
think there's loads of technologies that you can use. Um, there's also um, nothing better than picking up the phone and talking to somebody. Um, every person that you meet has a potential. So you know, um, we often treat tenants like they're second class citizens in some businesses. Those people are the people that go on to go and buy someday. They will come back as your landlord. So I think making sure that you have, you know, you're treating everybody the same, I think is really important. Um, some may disagree. That might be a bit of a controversial one. Um, in terms of technology, you know, you've got some amazing techs out there. You've even got, you know, if you're using your good Lord dashboard, you know, you can t- like tap into the, the market, what kind of people are looking at stuff, you know, how you compare against other competitors for your rent. Um, I'm a big fan of Spectre, a big fan of Propolt, although I can never say it correctly. Um, that's always a really good, it's a bit needle in the haystack. Um, and then of course, good old social media. As uh even TikTok can be used these days, I gather, Megan. Uh, is my um is the place that I found my my voice. Um we use it from as a business and we use it obviously as for our own kind of um personal brands within the businesses. Um, you know, we have properties coming on, you know, I'm getting valuation requests through TikTok. I had one landlord give me a set of keys for a whole portfolio without meeting me from TikTok. You know, people really often say to me oh well it's for kids it's that it's not anymore tiktok is not a died it's not a platform for kids doing dances you know the first thing i do when i need something is i go to tiktok and work out if i can do it um it's it's the new google for for millennials and and younger and landlords are getting younger and younger so let's not forget that so just to be clear you are finding new landlord instructions new landlord uh, relationships are developing through tiktok i have been for the last two years and nobody yeah. seems still kind of cotton on that that is still a thing but also what you have to remember is every time your face appears you become the expert so it gets to a point where they're like oh I need to let my property out I will go to whoever is the expert and the expert is on my phone constantly and it's a really easy way to continuously build that rapport with people without even meeting them um it's a it's a really big you know, opportunity, but also the exposure is great. So like we launched a house on TikTok this week, 500,000 views, like obscene amounts of views, you know, and some people, yeah, of course, you're going to get people just looking at the videos, but we also get inquiries through those too. So it's, you know, for me, it's a case of going, it's time to evolve. I know people think it's a pain in the butt, but you just got to get on with it. And is there any, um, any advice you've got for TikTok newbies, um, <clears throat> present company accepted, uh, who um, as to how they should go about looking into this more? Um, any, any any advice or courses or anything you you did, or um, what, what what do you recommend? Um, I definitely didn't do a course. I just sort of thought I'd give it a go. Um, I think you have to decide what kind of TikTok account you want. So, for example, my TikTok account is all kind of advice based. Um, that's a much slower growth because you know you've got to get the right audience, but it's still grown at a really good rate. Um, Our business one, we don't put huge amounts of talking on it. It's a lot of property tours and that kind of pulls in that side of things. I think you have to work out. I'm sure there must be a course on it now. Someone must have made a course. It's a course for everything. Um, But yeah, I mean, my advice would be just give it a go. But by all means, if anyone's got any questions, you can find me on LinkedIn and I'm more happy to help. That's super helpful. So thank you so much. I think um, um, a really a really Aaron, important yeah. point that, that Megan hit on there, um, and particularly if you've been working in the industry a lot for a long time like I have, is a lot of people haven't realised that the de- demography of landlords is is changing massively. Um, 
And people still have this impression that landlords tend to be over 40, probably own their own home. They're now looking for an alternative pension. Um, that's certainly not the case at all. We've got a large number of landlords now who don't even own the property they live in. A um, number of different reasons, but a, a good example is we've got people who, who live in London, but they bought properties in the Northwest, where obviously properties are much cheaper to get on a ladder. Um, and they see property as an investment, um, but they're not particularly interested in owning their own home because they want to be quite transient. Um, if they live in the Southeast, it might not necessarily be affordable. Um, so the the old target market of landlords has, has changed completely. I Absolutely, think that's yeah. a really good opportunity as well. If you're willing to network with people outside of your business, and I'm going to message Darren afterwards, you know, we're opposite ends of the country. What can we do to, to help each other? You know, I've got I've got a landlord that's got a property in Manchester. Okay, I've now got somebody I can pass, you know, let you know, build your networks out with people too, because Landlords are everywhere. And, and Darren's absolutely spot on. If you're in the city, that's fine. You might not have a landlord there, but you might have one that's now your tenant that you can then do a referral thing with. So, you know, there's something you can do with loads of different businesses up and down the country. Yeah, that's a great example. Darren, any uh, particular um, tips or recommendations around sort of digital tools and data from your business? Um, I, the biggest thing I would recommend is using it to communicate with your landlords. Um, mm -hmm. Pre-COVID, I'd, I'd never use Zoom. I'd never use Google Meets, anything like that. Um, and, and obviously, it became the norm for quite a long period. Um, and we've started using that as a really easy way to communicate with landlords. Rental Reform Bill was a prime example. We ran lots of webinars um, so we could speak to our landlords about it. Uh, the attendance rate was really high. I think about 80% 80, 80 of our landlords attended one of our webinars. Um, and it really helped get the message across rather than just an email or a newsletter. Um, it's far more interactive. People can ask the questions that they want to ask there and then. Um, and if you want to keep your landlords on board as well at a time where landlords are setting up and we're potentially losing landlords, you don't want to lose any more than you have to. So constantly being in front of your landlords with new messaging and, and positives about the industry and, and about Vitalet, that is really important. Yeah. Um, super. Thank you. And I, and actually, we've got a question here I'd like, love just for you both to take a pop at. Um, so really asking... Um, uh, which are the main pieces of software used by everybody? Um, uh, five five software firms in the letting sector that immediately spring to mind. Um, race to five, go. <laughs> uh, good Lord, obviously. Very good. Any four more? <laughs> uh, we use Briefy Market. We uh -huh. find that really good. Uh -huh. um, great way of speaking to your landlords. Uh -huh. uh, Zoom is really important for us now. Uh -huh. It's a great way of getting in front of people. Megan, you mentioned Spectre and um, Propult. Propult, Spectre, I would say the depository. If you haven't got mm -hmm. on the depository, that will change your life. Um, help me fix, I guess, is a tech. Um, I mentioned it earlier. Someone uh -huh. asked a question, which I typed the response to. Um, amazing. Um, oh, the last one. Um, do you know what? I'm not going to give a tech, but I'm going to give a shout to Kerfuffle. So if you are experiencing like a small issue, if you grab the phone to those guys, they'll help you find the right tech for you. They've done so many helpful calls to me. I'm sure I must owe them many, many drinks. Super, that's really helpful. And some, some great advice. There's some names to um, uh, check out if you hadn't heard of any of those names before. And I suppose TikTok is probably one of yours, Megan, can we say? Yeah, but it's not property tech, is it? So. Okay, fair enough. No, but but nor is Zoom. And uh, but exactly as Darren said, it's a really important piece of technology. The Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Yeah. All is important. Yeah, perfect. Um, 
Super. Right. I think that takes us to our last slide before we open the floor to questions. Um, so this is really just thinking about um, where we've got landlords, but they're not using the fully managed services. Um, and what might we do here? Um, I mean, so how does this work for you guys? Do the landlords really understand the benefits of going fully managed? I hope so. Or we're not doing our job very well. But then they, but those stats say that maybe we're not doing our job as well as we think. So maybe we all need to take a look at how we're presenting our offerings to landlords because if they don't understand the value that we bring then that's not their problem that's our problem but presumably you have some landlords megan who are not fully managed and and what factors are stopping them using the fully managed service i think it's often a financial i know that that Mm -hmm. may contradicts the slides that we saw um Mm -hmm. that seems to be a, a big feedback seems to be about money um we get we we certainly here in hackney get a lot of really local landlords we did a um like a a survey of our landlords and majority are actually based within like a 20 minute radius of their property so they don't necessarily feel that value um i definitely think when landlords are overseas that really really is a great opportunity um and nobody who's not local shouldn't be managed in my opinion and what about you darren how do you see the the challenge of getting more people to fully manage um, I think now you've just got to demonstrate your value more than ever. Um, you know, we talked about fees, but the reality is if we all charged a 1% management fee, every landlord would use an agent. Um, so it, it, it's what are you doing for your fee? And I think the rental reform bill actually brings some really good opportunities for agent because there is an opportunity now to position yourself as, as an expert, um, as somebody who understands the legal system far better than a landlord can probably um, understand it themselves at the moment to understand the changes that are coming and what impact that will have. Um, so really the best thing I can advise agents to do is get as much knowledge as possible about those upcoming changes and be ahead of the landlords. Um, as well as that, you, you know, you need to be able to offer landlords more now than just finding a tenant and collecting rent because we've seen lots of low cost competitors come into that market. You know, people like open rent, for example, that give landlords the ability to go on to right move at a very low cost and find a tenant. Um, but they, they don't have the ability to do all the things that we can do in the background. So, you know, are you offering a good quality rental protection insurance to your landlord and explaining the benefits of, of doing that? Um, can you manage their utilities for them at check-in and check-out? And again, explain the, the benefits of doing that, which these low-cost competitors don't have the ability to do. And as an agent, you can do that. And you can also do it at, at, at very low cost and very low admin to yourself by using the right technology. And don't you think that really compounds what we were just talking about, about social media? Because if you've built the rapport and they already trust you before you walk through the door, you then hit them with what Darren just said. Why wouldn't they go for managed? Yeah. That's brilliant. That's a brilliant way to, to finish, I think, the the the, the content. And let, let's now sort of turn to some of our um, outstanding questions. We've had quite a few questions from our audience here. Um, let's have a look. Um, we are... There's a question I think for you, Megan, which is how do you manage your time with the social media? How does the how do you how do you manage your calendar? It's a very good question. I often ask myself how I fit it all in. Um, so if I've got a particularly busy week ahead, I'll pre-plan my social media posts for the week, which sounds very boring, um, but it's a really easy way to do it. Um, I work from home on a Wednesday and I tend to record my content for the week if I'm working at home. So I would say put some protected time in your diary to make your content, to think about your content. Um, but also you do have to kind of react to things as it comes. You know, for example, what happened with the EPC um, regulation scrapping? I couldn't have predicted that five days in advance. So sometimes you do have to be a bit reactive. 
I think you have to stop thinking about it as being a time sucker and thinking about actually this is start of part of my prospecting and starting to think about it more as business generation and not as a time sucker. And if you can make that switch in your head, you'll find time for it. That's super. Thank you. Um, we got a question from earlier on in the um, material about the EPC. So um, just asking for clarification, really, uh, what is what is the going on with the EPC regulations? Because, of course, there are EPC regulations in place. Uh, the Rental Reform Bill was proposing to tighten them. Um, Megan, do you want to just summarise quickly what the s- situation is there? So in terms of what we already have in place, that's still there. You know, so we do still have a minimum standard. The proposed changes to go to a C has been scrapped. However, we do have to remember that as part of the Renters Reform Bill, we do have the decent home standards, which is like the little the little sister that sits alongside it that we keep forgetting about. Now, whilst they're not saying to us now, this is the proposed plans, you know, if we have a different government in place we could find that this could re-reset. So I think you're okay to take your foot off the gas for the moment, but just keep it in the back of your mind is probably, that's what, certainly what I'm doing anyway. And the current regulation, um, correct me if I'm wrong here, is you have to be E or better. Exactly. Yeah, and that's that's remained in place. There's no change to that. Of course, you've got um, the exemption register as well, which typically sits around listed buildings, but not always. It's one that always catches people. Super. Thank you very much. Um, We've got, um, I'm just scanning through for the questions we haven't already answered here. Um, we've got a uh, request to keep an eye on LinkedIn. I think you'll find some inbound people looking for uh, to re- reaching out to you both. Um, so um, hopefully that isn't because you've been confusing us all. I certainly think some awesome content here, which people want, are looking to um, understand better. Um, got a question, um, anonymous question here, but wondering how you maximize your existing customer bases. Uh, just interested in your t- tips, really. But Darren, I might turn to you first. Um, first thing I would suggest is try and look at alternative products you can offer landlords that benefit landlords, but also generate revenue for you. Um, I've mentioned already about um, you know rental protection insurance. We're having a really big drive on that at the moment because with the upcoming rental reform bill and the removal of section 21, it is going to be more difficult to obtain your property back when the rules change uh, and rental protection insurance can be a real uh, lifesaver when it comes to that. Um, utilities, again, we discussed about managing utilities for landlords at check-in and check-out. Well, by a good Lord, there's ways you can generate revenue by doing that. And it's not a huge admin task. Um, so I think the key is, look, it's really difficult to start increasing fees to landlords at the moment when they're being hit with various other cost increases. So, what you want to be able to do is find additional products you can add into your portfolio uh, where you can generate additional revenue, but still offer your landlord an excellent service at the same time. Super. what about you, Megan? How are you maximizing the customer base? So I really feel like one of the benefits I've had in my career is that I became an agent when we didn't really use portals, like just as the portal started to come into play. So I really feel the value of a telephone. So um, my view is, is how much do you know about your current database? So for example, I'll call my database on a regular basis, all my landlords, no matter how busy, just to check in, see where they're at. I now have a spreadsheet that tells me what their plans are for the next year, what their plans are for the next three years, whether they'll buy any more properties, and if they were going to sell their property, what they'd need to sell it at. So then I've got, you know, landlords that want to buy more. I can then swap them out with a landlord that was maybe a little bit unsure about whether to keep it without losing anything out of my portfolio. Does that make sense? Like a little bit of a loop. Try and keep it in the family almost in the family so rather than waiting till that panicked landlord reaches the point and says 
put the house on the market, I'm trying yeah. to sell it before we've reached that point, which means I'm not getting any holes in the portfolio because I'm already feeding it back into my portfolio with a new landlord that's already bought in, already loves what I do. You know, your vibe attracts your tribe, as they say, you know, stop, focus on what you've got rather than what you want. Yeah, that's a great line, isn't it? Your vibe attracts your tribe. Is that one, that's one of those ones you picked up from TikTok, is it, Megan? thing is like we spend so much time trying to appeal to everybody like i'm not going to appeal to everybody some people will be like oh not her again but for the people that i appeal for they're going to come to me but the people that don't they won't so what's the point of fighting for the people that don't yeah no it's a it's a big sea out there isn't it and uh, there's room for all the fish um Super. Well, I think on that note, I might uh, draw it to a close. I really want to thank you both again for all your um, fantastic insights and wisdom um, as we've um, reflected today on how we uh, cope with the supply and demand imbalances affecting the sector and how we keep landlords, stop landlords leaving sector. I think we've we've looked at some of the um, survey data around the imbalances themselves, the reasons why landlords are worried about staying in the sector, talked about some of those differences between smaller landlords and bigger landlords, talked about the uh, impact that the economic um and financial changes are, are having on them, the rise, rises in interest rates, the uh, higher levels of taxation, the higher levels of costs. The, uh, we've also noted the um, good news, really, that the um, tighter regulations around EPC standards have been called off. So uh, it's not all doom and gloom um, and um, got some great advice and tips uh, and learned quite a lot about the um, modern marvel of TikTok. So thank you both very much for uh, joining us and um, really hope this has been helpful. Thank you, everybody. And thanks, everybody who's joined in uh, for today's webinar.